Hola y bienvenidos a la Deliosa. Soy Enrique Barnes y presidente de esa mejor cerveza. Y Deadwater son los mejores bebidas. No abate por No Filter Network. Will the Thrill, not with us today. Miguelito San Dieguito, not with us today. But as we do each and every single morning when we come on here, we grab these foam fingers and properly salute our boys and each and every one of you guys. Yes, 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 yes! Woo! Remember this, folks, when we are juiceful, we are useful, and when we are juiceless, we are fucking useless. It's as simple as that. And uh, first and foremost, each every single morning... We need to get to our title sponsor, Bet Online. That's right. The only people that don't get time off this time of year are the pro athletes and the people over at Bet Online. NFL, bowl season, NBA in full swing. Bet Online isn't taking a second off just to make sure you guys have all of the up to date odds, news, and info. Bet Online has all the sports wagering info available you need with both a desktop and mobile access. Remember this. Use the promo code BLEAV, capital B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Also, don't forget about our partners over at KT Tape. Get yourself some of the pro oxygen tape by hitting the QR code in the upper right-hand corner. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a scientist. I did not stay at a Holiday Inn Express last night. But I can tell you through experience, this shit works. When you apply the tape, it lifts the skin, promotes blood flow to the area, thus reducing inflammation and the pains typically associated with it. KT Tape, deflaming muscles since its creation. And lastly, to focus for the show. Hold on a second here. Boom, we got it. I usually like to grab one out of the bag. I put it up here. This is a shot of greatness. A little lemon, a little ginger, a little cannabis. Makeup. This real shot of fucking life. Go to triverge.com. Ask for my guy, Jory, over there, and he'll take care of all of your Verge needs. It is, hold on a second. Cheers to you. Let's dab it up. It's soothing on the throat. It is, got that like kick to it as you would imagine when you take a shot of ginger and it just just it's supposed to give you that sustained energy not this quick high that some people are looking for if you're looking for that it's not it um i was gonna make some stupid joke about hookers and blow and i'm like dan this is not even worth going there it's a new year on to 
uh, more mature things here in the year 2024. Okay, the Daily Hustle electronic email communication written this morning on the treadmill during a seven-mile hike and sent out to hopefully all of you guys. If you guys are on the DH here on No Filter Network, uh, and I got to imagine that a lot of the promo of this live recording happens through that we then get uploaded to all the different podcast platforms including apple spotify which of course we'd really appreciate if you left us a kind review and five stars it is good and healthy for the program okay buenos dias today is wooden wednesday january 3rd 2024 on this date in 1977 ronald wayne who started apple computer company with Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak, sold his share of the business to Jobs and Wozniak for, you guys ready for this? $800. Oh, wow. Assuming Wayne owned 33% of the business, those $800 in shares today would be worth a trillion of the three trillion dollar business but who's counting daily hustle quote of the day question how can i become an optimist answer proper preparation and attention to details john wooden daily hustle translation we should all strive to be an optimist but as we know it can oftentimes be difficult to remain optimistic when we are consistently dealing with challenging situations that said just as coach wouldn't suggest with proper preparation and attention to details we inevitably will be putting ourselves in a position to expect success sure success isn't always immediate and challenging times certainly are imperative to our growth yet when we obsess over our preparation and the minuscule details that make gigantic differences, we will confidently know that we have taken care of what is within our control, thus giving us every reason in the world to be eternal, optimistic fucking savages about any sort of potential future outcome. EB, P.S., if you have not picked up one of the Daily Hustle mugs, slap yourself in the face, kick yourself in the midsection, and click the pick below. That's the link to the Daily Hustle mugs. Look at this bad boy. I mean, the picture doesn't do it justice. If you understand the girth of this thing, we actually have two different ones. We have this one here, and we have one just like this, but it's got an orange inside and an orange handle. Personally, I like the girth of this one. I like the look of the other one even better. I brought this mug up because, well, obviously to show you guys. And I do drink my first cup out of this. And then what I do is I go to the thermos. And this is USA Baseball courtesy mug of uh, bleh, 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 bleh. 
courtesy, mug courtesy of John Gall, who is the new president of USA Baseball and has been staying at my house over the past three, four days. So thank you, Gall, for that. And it keeps the coffee nice and warm. Gall and I, by the way, we're going to do the audiobook for Let Them Play, a parenting and coaching guide to you sports. The plan with that is to read it here. I don't think an audiobook's ever been done like this. Literally, come on here live with video, read it, go through the book, and then after each chapter, bring Gall in and have a conversation about what we just read and the different ways to apply a lot of our theories, maybe, you know, some fantastic feedback that he's been able to gather through years of experience of playing and coaching of being involved with USA baseball. I just think that this is a book that is one every coach and every parent should read. I'm obviously biased, but it goes so far beyond just even me and my experiences because this book is a culmination of all of it, including really what I've seen over the past five years in the travel ball world, in the coaching world. And really, what are we looking for? It's to get the most out of our kids' ability without being fucking assholes and without going over the top. We have to know when to push. We have to know when to pull. And it's a really tricky time, just in general. And we could go and and start because I do talk about the formative years, which is that well you got the early years which is the one through six and then you have these formative years which are the seven to twelve which are so impactful in how we parent and how we coach and then 13 and beyond we call those the guiding years and in order to properly guide sometimes we have to take a less is, is more approach and also sometimes Probably not to, you know, the the parents' satisfaction all the time, but we have to 1,000% let go. And our word is, is huge. It's really important. And I do think our support is everything. But at some point in a kid's life, They need a different voice. And I say this, you know, as a coach and a coach of my own kid, my voice, I think at this point, doesn't necessarily resonate as much as it did before. Now, I might be wrong on this. I, because he's going to have to decide the adjustments that he wants to make and whatnot. But I feel like as a 12-year-old kid that I've been coaching since... He came out of the womb, basically. 
when he hears another voice say basically this exact same thing that I'm saying in a different way, it's fucking huge, man. He's able to process it differently. Now, what's cool is that we also live by the theory that when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. And there's been times recently even where he's come to me and he's had questions. And I think that's the most important thing for all of us as parents or coaches is sometimes instead of forcing our will upon the child, we need to let the child fail. And then when they are ready, then they'll come to us. And when I say fail, it doesn't mean like it's this epic failure and they're terrible baseball players or terrible people. No, no, but you let them fall down. Because when we're trying to prevent these fall downs all the time, it's no, you, you, you got to fall down to be able to get back up and improve from that. So really looking forward to getting out to Dallas, heading out there this afternoon to the ABCA coaches convention. We'll be live on no filter network on Friday and Saturday, probably about at least four hours a day. I'm going to be doing a book signing have 500 books. That's it. I had to, I theoretically, I, I didn't make sense to get any more than that out there. I'm confident we'll be able to sell the 500, uh, but that's it. That's all we had in the pre-order. And then it will go, I think about February is when it'll be online for purchase, but we'll be able to take some pre-orders and then that book will be shipped out right around the beginning of February, but if you're going to be in Dallas at the ABCA, please come out, come out to the book signing. And um, yeah, hopefully we can wrap it about, wrap it out about all things, parenting and coaching. And as much as I think that I have some of the answers, I certainly don't have all the answers. I also believe that this is a book that stays a little bit open where it's not, oh, this is the unball be all. This is the only way to do it. I think as times change and people change, it's really important for, for us to change. And the effective, the efficiency and effectiveness of coaching cannot just be one way. And it cannot just be for one kid because every kid is different. So just a few things to pay attention to as this book does come out and hopefully has a pretty cool impact upon not only the baseball community, but if you're if a, you have a kid in any other sport, if you're a parent, if you're a coach, once again, extremely biased, but I consider it a must read. All right, top five daily hustle news stories here this morning. Let's start with some baseball. MLB rumors, teams expect the Giants to sign a top free agent. After the Otani Yamamoto pursuit. Oh, they've had a rough one. They really have. Because if you go back to the Aaron Judge situation from last year, he led them to believe that there was a good chance he would be coming to San Francisco. Did not happen. The Carlos Correa thing was just a fucking debacle. He ended up in Minnesota. And then the obvious strong pursuit of Otani and Yamamoto that 
both didn't work out. I got to believe this is a team that's looking to make a splash. They signed the Korean outfielder Lee, which is actually a pretty big contract. I think it's the biggest contract the Giants have ever given out to a free agent, 120 something million dollars. Some would say they overpaid, but to chase an offensive player in a not great offensive ballpark. Sometimes that's what you have to do. So the article here says the frustration among San Francisco Giants fans for their teams, many failed free agent pursuits in recent years may finally give way to at least one notable addition before this offseason is over. ESPN's Jeff Passan opposing teams are expecting the Giants to sign at least one top end player from the big four Scott Boris clients still on the market. That group includes Cody Bellinger, Jordan Montgomery, Blake Snell, and Matt Chapman. Okay, of the four, I'll bring this up. Who would you want? It's far away in the chat. Good morning, everybody, by the way. And again, if you're listening to Apple or Spotify, we do do this live and make it interactive. Jesse Burns, my brother from another mother out there in Wisconsin. Good morning to you. And Jason, what the fuck is up, my man? Thanks for joining this morning. So the big four free agents that are left, Cody Bellinger, Jordan Montgomery, Blake Snell, and Matt Chapman. If you were to sign one and only one, who would it be? I got to go with Snell. As much as I'd want to say Bellinger, there's a little bit of that risk factor in which Cody Bellinger are we going to get? Don't get me wrong. I fucking love him. And I really hope they get him. Great family. Cody Bellinger... Remember this, folks. He was doing backflips in my pool as an 11-year-old in Arizona. His team from Chandler went to the Little League World Series, and Clay Bellinger, his father, who played for the Yankees, called me. I was playing with the Dimebacks at the time. My Q rating was probably as high as it's ever been, of course, until now. But he's like, dude, is there any way... You could give these guys a little bit of a motivational talk before they go to Williamsport. And I'm like, yeah, of course. So I end up hopping on the phone. And by this point, when I did talk to them, they were playing in an elimination game out there. And I told them, I'm like, dudes, go out there, play free, play fearless, swing hard in case you hit it. I just go get it right and i felt like it was one of my better speeches and i'm like you guys take this thing down you're coming to my house for a barbecue backflips in the pool i got a batting cage here ping pong putt putt course all of it and so the boys are like yeah and then they went out there and they got run ruled absolutely slaughtered So the effectiveness of my speech 
Not so good. But I called Cody right after. I said, dude, I don't give a shit. Bring the boys over. So once they returned to Arizona from Williamsport, I had all of them out to the house. And I'll never forget Cody Bellinger sizing me up. And forgive me if you've heard this story before. But Cody, I was flipping burgers. And he was kind of on the other side. Not kind of on the other side. He, he, I remember like, kind of sitting at the bar on the other side. He's like, hey. He goes, you look a lot bigger on TV. I'm like, huh? It's like, yeah, you look a lot bigger on TV. I said, like, how so, man? Was, I don't know, just a lot more muscular and bigger. And I'm like, dude, this kid's sizing me up. Like, legit sizing me up. And that's what it takes. It really is. It's what it takes to be great. He was already thinking about what a big leaguer should look like. And he's like, eh, he's not that big. I could do this. So uh, he's going on to have just some fucking fantastic career. A couple down years. But overall, this is a former MVP. He's a World Series champion. He's a rookie of the year. Just, uh, I mean, you know, an honor, privilege, a joy to be around every time I've been able to hang out with him. His mom's an absolute sweetheart. Dad's a stud firefighter out there in Chandler. Not sure if he's still working, but I like this guy got done playing major league baseball. And it's like, what, what am I doing? Eh, could be a firefighter. Simple as that. So uh, anyhow, the giants are living are the living embodiment of the old saint. Always a bride to me, never a bride in the past 13 months. They have engaged in serious talks with Aaron judge, Carlos Correa, Shoyotani, and Yoshinobu Yamamoto. They came out of those talks with nothing to show for it. Correa was willing to walk down the aisle with the Giants when he agreed to a 13-year, $350 million contract, but the deal fell apart when the team expressed concerns with his physical. If there's any consolation for the Giants, the New York Mets also pulled out their 12-year, $315 million agreement with Correa for the same reason. I forget. Who went first, but I'm pretty sure it was the Giants. And then they nixed the deal because of the physical. And then the Mets, this was the weirdest fucking thing. Mm. Right after, they sign them to this deal. And then they go through the same physical issues. And they, like, they go back to the same doctor who said the same thing. Now, Ultimately, I'd have to go look and see how Correa did. I think there was parts of the season where he slumped. But he stayed healthy uh, for the most part through the course of the season. He's still one of the best shortstops in the game of baseball. But, yeah, both of them pulled out of that deal. It says there was hope this offseason would be different, especially since they were willing to meet Otani on his terms. Giants president of baseball operations, Farhan Zaidi, to reporters. Their offer the two-time AL MVP was very comparable, if not identical in terms of dollars and deferrals to what he received from the Los Angeles Dodgers, but they lost out on the best player in MLB to their biggest rival. The Dodgers also beat out San Francisco for Yamamoto, whose agent said he likely would have signed with the Giants if Los Angeles wasn't interested. That's not exactly a compliment to the Giants, but at least they were able to stay in the running for a while. They did sign KBO star 
Jung who lead in the six year $113 million deal and the richest free agent contract ever given out by the team since signing Johnny Cueto to 130 million. Okay. But once it's all said and done, I know that lead deal is more closer to 130 than the 113 because of the money they're going to have to pay to his team in Japan. Even with the addition of Lee, San Francisco remains far behind the Los Angeles Dodgers in the NOS and a fringe wildcard contender based on the talent it currently has. Any of the four Boers clients would fit right in and feel a huge need for the Giants. Bellinger's above average defender in center field hit 307, 525 slugging percentage, 26 homers, 20 stolen bases for the Cubs last season. Chapman remains an elite defensive third baseman, though his offensive production has started to decline recently. A 755 OPS last season was the second worst of his career. Snell and Montgomery would give the Giants both impact and reliable innings in the rotation. Logan Webb and Alex Cobb were the only pitchers on the staff who threw at least 100 innings and made 20 starts last season. That's a problem. Sean Manaya, who is a free agent, also passed 100 innings. What might bring Manaya back? The Giants have only made the playoffs once since 2017. That's hard to believe. Because that was their 106 win year, whatever it was. They haven't won a full postseason series since the 2014 World Series, excluding the one game wild card against the Mets in 2016. So obviously the Giants are here trying to make a splash. They have deep pockets. They're willing to spend. All right, NFL playoff scenarios for week 18. This is the final week of the regular season. And this is just nuts. All right. Let me try to make sense of this. The NFL playoff matchups as it stands right now. I don't like this because there's so many moving parts. But it would be Indy at Miami, Buffalo at Kansas City, Cleveland at Jacksonville with the Ravens getting the first round by. That's the AFC. And the NFC would be the Packers at the Cowboys, Rams at the Lions, Eagles at the Bucks, and the wild card round one by goes to your San Francisco 49ers. So here are the scenarios for all the teams that are still in it. The Houston Texans, they're 9-7. and seven. They're at Indianapolis on Saturday. What's at stake? Houston clinches the AFC South title with a win or a Jacksonville loss or tie. Says how the Texans can clinch a playoff berth. I just went over that. Uh, okay, how they can clinch the playoff berth, Houston win or Houston tie, plus a Jacksonville loss, plus a Pittsburgh loss or tie. Okay, the Colts, the matchup. Well, they're facing Houston. 8-15 on Saturday, just like I said. What's at stake? The Colts clinch the AFC South title with Indianapolis win plus a Jacksonville loss or tie. The Pittsburgh Steelers are at Baltimore on Saturday. And remember, Baltimore doesn't have shit to play for. So this is where it gets shady. The Steelers can clinch a playoff berth with 
a Pittsburgh win plus a Buffalo loss or a Pittsburgh win and a Jacksonville loss. A Pittsburgh win with a Houston-Indianapolis tie would also get him in. A Pittsburgh tie plus a Jacksonville loss plus a Houston-Indianapolis doesn't end in a tie or Jacksonville loss plus Denver win plus Indianapolis Houston doesn't end in a tie who, who has ever had to figure this shit out I, I commend you guys because I'm reading this and I'm fucking confused the Miami Dolphins this is a little more simple versus Buffalo on Sunday 8 20 p.m eastern time what's at stake Miami will clinch the AFC title with a win or tie. It's that simple. The Buffalo Bills, who are at 10 and 6, they're at Miami on Sunday. They win, they win the AFC East. Simple as that. Now, this is where it gets shady. They are three-point favorites on the road, but if for whatever reason they don't pull off the win in Miami. They could clinch a playoff berth with a Pittsburgh loss or a tie and a Jacksonville loss or a tie or a Houston-Indianapolis tie. So if the Bills lose, and I don't want to assume that at all, obviously, but they're going to be in a dogfight. They would need Pittsburgh to lose against the Ravens and the Ravens are playing the Steelers again with there's nothing. It doesn't mean anything to them. And Pittsburgh's going to be fucking hungry out there doing obviously whatever they can to win that game. And then you got the Jaguars facing Tennessee who Tennessee's out of it, man. Now don't get me wrong. I think they're going to put up a fight, but at the same time, and it's it's at Tennessee. So, does that mean something? I don't know. I mean, it could. But Jacksonville uh, is going to have to win that game if they want to get in themselves. Let's see. They'll clinch the AFC South title with a Jacksonville win. Or a Jacksonville tie plus an Indy and Houston tie. Uh, the... NFC gets even more confusing because you have the Cowboys. Look, they clinched the NFC title with a Dallas win uh, thanks to Philadelphia puking all over themselves here in the latter half of the season. The Tampa Bay Bucks they clinched the NFC South with a Tampa Bay win or a Tampa Bay tie plus a New Orleans, New Orleans loss. Tampa looked like shit last week. The Falcons, they're seven and nine. They're still in this thing. How? Hmm. Well, let's see here. Atlanta will clinch the NFC South title with a win plus a Tampa Bay loss. So it's possible that Atlanta could pull it off if the Bucks lose at Carolina. And Carolina's not going to lay down for anybody. I realize they have been shit this year. 
But I'll be interesting to see how that plays out. The Saints can clinch the NFC South title with a New Orleans win plus a Tampa loss or a New Orleans tie plus a Tampa loss. The Eagles, they clinch the, they play, they're at the Giants and they'll clinch the NFC East with a Philadelphia win plus the Dallas loss. So they no longer control their own fate. They both are in the playoffs though. So at least they're fine there and they're not getting the number one seed. I don't, if you don't have the number one seed, I don't think it matters much. Does it? It's not like you're playing extra games. The matchup uh, for the Seahawks, who are trying to get in, this is how they can do it. They're 8-8. Eight and eight. They're at Arizona on Sunday. you got to assume they can win that fucking game. But then again, Arizona just took it to Philly. How the Seahawks can clinch a playoff for a Seattle win plus a Green Bay loss. That's what they need. A Seattle tie plus a Green Bay loss plus a Tampa loss or tie and a Seattle tie plus a Green Bay loss plus a New Orleans tie. Bottom line is this Seattle needs to win and Green Bay needs to lose. Uh how the Packers can clinch a playoff berth. They are at home against Chicago. Green Bay win and they're in. Green Bay tie plus a Seattle loss or tie plus a New Orleans loss or tie. Uh, Minnesota Vikings are seven and nine. They still have a shot, though. A Minnesota win plus a Green Bay loss plus a Seattle loss plus a Tampa loss. Oh, fuck. All right. Vikings ain't getting in. I mean, it, it could happen. Theoretically, you never know. A uh, message, by the way, Debo Samuel had for Kyron Williams. Uh, with 1,459 rushing yards on the season, 49ers running back Christian McCaffrey is primed to earn the NFL's rushing title for the 2023 season. But with one game remaining, McCaffrey from the sideline must outlast Los Angeles Rams running back Kyron Williams, who trails in second place. He has 1,144 yards. However, San Francisco wideout Debo Samuel isn't worried about his teammates' odds as he hilariously dismissed Williams footing and the rushing title race ahead of week 18's 49ers Rams game on the up and Adams show with Kay Adams quote. Good luck with that one, brother Samuel told Williams, but I love your game though. Keep going, man. Yeah. Kyron will, he's had a really nice year, but he is significantly behind Christian McCaffrey who will not be playing in the 49ers finale. And, I like that makes a lot of sense. The things that the Ravens and 49ers have to worry about is, is just going to be the staleness because look, they're going to play this week and then they're not going to have a game for what? Like three weeks. I mean, you add, you add in this one. So it's a lot of sitting around and you can make an argument. Yeah, it's great for the body and refresh, whatever. But, I was listening to Brandon Jacobs the other day on ESPN radio, the former running back of the New York football giants. And he was saying he hated the fucking body. Absolutely hated it. He just wanted to keep playing. So uh, chiming in here, by the way, the Duncan dad says he'd love to have Chappie in Philly. 
if I'm an offensive team, this is a problem with Matt Chapman in San Francisco. If I'm an offensive team, I would love to bring in Matt Chapman. Where, and don't get me wrong, like 755 OPS, is that's no slouch at all. That's actually decent numbers. But for a top free agent, if you're going to pay top dollar, you probably, you want more offensive production than that. But if you have offense in other places, then why not go defensive? You're going to get enough offensive production from Matt Chapman. But you know you're going to get elite, elite, platinum glove, not just gold glove, platinum glove defense. That's how good Matt Chapman is. So, yeah, I think Philly would be a great spot for him. San Francisco, I don't know. I what Arizona's be? Arizona would be a good spot. I think it'd be a really good spot for him. The Diamondbacks want to stay relevant there. The way they had Evan Longoria last year playing a lot of third base. So, anyhow, it's a one to keep your eyes on. You got to imagine once one goes. I mean, Boris has got all four of those guys. Jeez, that's a lot. So. The Williams, let's see, CMC showdown, that's really not close. I mean, there's just no way. He, he would have to have 300 and something yards and break an NFL record in order to get that final thing. And the other thing is the Rams are already in. So the Rams do not have to win to get in. So they're fine. So they might not even be running Williams to death anyway, and then we're going to want to keep him uh, safe for the playoffs. All right, a couple more things here. Washington, Michigan preview. This uh, whole thing that's come out, the line is four and a half. That's way too much if you ask me. Had a feeling it'd come in in that direction. It did, but I'm taking the points. I mean, Washington is the scariest team in football. I literally can see them go out there. I'll say blow out Michigan. That's not going to happen. But they could go out there and dominate that game start to finish like they did in the semifinal matchup against Texas. Uh, They're saying here, Washington offense, excuse me, on offense, fun factor, Penix faced Michigan once before when he was at Indiana. Leading a 38 to 21 win for the Hoosiers over the Wolverines in the pandemic shortened 2020 season. He completed 30 of 50 passes for 342 yards and three touchdowns. Holy shit, man. That matters. That really does. Wow. I didn't realize this. I mean, I knew he was in Indiana. I knew he had some success there. He had each year end in an injury of some sort. But when you're suiting up against the mighty Michigan Wolverines, it could be a little intimidating. I mean, as it would have been last week against Texas, but Penix was the most poised guy on that field. And he absolutely fucking cut up Texas and there's a good chance he could do the same against Michigan. And he's already done it before. Confidence is everything, especially when you're that young. 
And not that Penix was lacking any confidence, but if he had any doubts, he's like, dude, I've already kicked the shit out of this team once. You know what? I'm going to fucking do it again. So just a, something to think about and something to pay attention to as these teams get ready to square off on Monday. The offense mission 6.11 yards per play is a 45th in FBS, 36 points per game is 14th. Washington is 7.25 yards per play. That's fifth in college football. And they're 37 points per game is 10th. On defense, Michigan allows 4.29 yards per play. That's fourth in college football. Washington, 5.66. So Michigan's defense is obviously stout. Huh. Uh, Michigan allows... 10 points a game. Holy shit, man. That's number one in all of college football. Washington, 24.1. Ah, the Pac's just more of the conference formerly known as the Pac-12. Formerly existed as, as the Pac-12. It's an offensive conference. It always has been. So naturally, when teams are putting the ball in the air 50 times, a game, you're going to give up more points. But it's clear that Michigan has the edge defensively. It seems clear that the Huskies will have the edge offensively. The series history, Michigan leads 8-5. The last meeting was a 31-10 non-conference home win for the Wolverines in September of 2021. And again, the spread is four and a half. The OU is 55 and a half. I like the under. 55 and a half. That's a big number. I got to believe the Sharps are going to hammer that under. That is, I mean, you have Washington. Washington allowing, what I say? 24 points per game. And then you have Michigan's defense allowing 10. So there's 34, but obviously both offenses are averaging 36 and 37. So that's over 70. I don't know. Maybe it is where it should be, but looking forward to that game on Monday. And finally, if you know who Caitlin Clark is, good on you. I'd heard the name. I knew she played college hoops. I knew she was really good. Apparently last night, she hit a buzzer beater, step back three from damn near half court, swishes it, and that was that. Well, just some fun numbers from Caitlin Clark here. You ready for this? Iowa won 76 to 73. And let's see here. Clark took more shots in the game than the rest of her teammates combined. 34 field goal attempts for Clark. 33 for the rest of her team. Somehow a workload. Oh, that would make Luca blush for the good of the team. Clark ended the night with 20 missed shots and still finished with 40 points and five assists in the win, including eight for 20. From three-point range. She took 20 fucking three-pointers. 
Oh, it says, yup, 23 point attempts in one game. An NBA has taken 20 or more threes only 26 times in league history. So only 26 times in league history in the NBA has a player fired up 20 three-pointers or more. This is truly a rare sight at a level of the game. And for Clark, attempt number 20 was the sweetest of them all. She's one of the best college basketball players to ever play the game. And I don't watch a ton of women's college hoops, but the walk-off winner was pretty sweet. She hits it, and then she runs to the crowd. So you guys can see it. Ah. So she hits it there. Watch her watch her run in the crowd. Oh, it's kind of weird because she goes all the way to the other side. She's not celebrating with her teammates, but she is celebrating with the fans and she's clapping them up. I don't know. I mean, if you're somebody else on the team. I think when she's that good, it's like MJ, right? Shoot or shoot. They just keep firing. And uh, she led Iowa all the way to the national championship game last year. And even though they lost to LSU, she still has established herself as one of the very best of that, the very best in the game. All right, that's it. Let's leave you guys with a little Ralph Waldo Emerson. No, I take that back. We're going to leave you with a little James Allen, the thought factor in achievement. All that a man achieves and all that he fails to achieve is a direct result of his own thoughts. There we go. All right, we'll be back at you tomorrow from Dallas at the ABCA Coaches Convention, and then we'll be live there on Friday and Saturday as well. So everyone have a fantastic day. And... See y'all in Texas.